Welcome back to the Apostles Mailbox, where today we've got a prescription for you. That's right, we've got something that you can take daily with salt, <laughs> um, something that you should do whenever you're reading God's Word or studying God's Word. We're actually going to talk about a couple different things uh, as we do this. And we're going to talk about description and prescription, and we're going to talk about inference um, versus direct speech. And so um, let's just jump straight into that. We're going to be in Acts uh, chapter 2 to begin. So in Acts chapter 2, let's say you're reading this passage and you read, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you read this, uh, theoretically, you will have just read that what happened before is that Peter has got up at Pentecost, and he is preaching to a bunch of Jews who have just crucified the Messiah, and he told them, you crucified the Messiah, right? So they're cut to the heart with his guilt, and they're like, oh, what are we going to do then? And he just says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, right? And so he tells them to do this. And if you were to read that, and you were not already a Christian, and uh, you were not already included in Christ, and you read that, and you, and you said, oh my, uh, it says that I should repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. Uh, so I need to do that. I need to repent of my sins and I need to be baptized into the name of Jesus. And if you went out and did that, you would be doing properly. It would be good. And, uh, and, and so the reason for this is because this is a command, but it's not just a command given uh, to one person in one circumstance for one case. Now, you might be tempted to think, well, okay, so Peter's talking to a specific set of Jews, right? He's he's speaking to a specific people in a specific context, um, and, and they crucified the Messiah, so maybe what they really need to repent of is they need to repent of, of killing Jesus, and we didn't kill Jesus, so we don't need to repent of that. Um, you could try to make that argument, but I picked this passage for a reason, actually, because it's, it's quite overt. Because if you go to verse 39, here's what Peter says. He says, This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. <laughs> so the promise he just made is if you repent and be baptized uh, then you're for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on and he says, this promise is not just for you, it's for your kids, for your grandkids, right? For people near and far off. Uh, so the scripture is very clear that this is not a command just directed to the people who are present that day, but it is uh, to all who the Lord will call to himself, and that would include then, of course, you if you were coming to Christ. So, uh, this is what is called a prescription. Now, there are many things in the Bible that we would consider prescriptions. Uh, James, for instance, says, well, he's got, he's got a book full of telling you what to do. Uh, humble yourself uh, in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up, right? Um, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And so there are these commands. Be not hearers of the word, be not hearers of the word, but doers. 
uh, not hearers only. I just mangled all those quotes, sorry. <laughs> um, but the point is that there are places in the Bible where we are commanded to do things, and assuming that we are reading them in their proper context, uh, then we also can take those commands on ourselves and we can just go and do them and obey them. However, whenever we are studying the Bible, or uh, perhaps even more dangerously so, when you're listening to somebody preach and they're telling you, here's what the Bible says you must do, uh, and then they, they pull a verse out of the Bible and they explain, this is what it tells you to do, you have to be careful to read it in its proper context and understand it. Uh, I had a seminary professor who used to say, and I'm pretty sure he didn't make it up either, because um, I've heard at various other places, that a text, and that is a text of Scripture, without a context, and that is the context in which it was written uh, and intended, is a pretext for a proof text. Uh, now, I understand that proof text, where I went to seminary, was a dirty word, and in some places uh, it's not a dirty word, it's something people are proud of. See, I found a text to prove my point, but I don't think that's the way the Bible was intended uh, to be used, and in fact, if you use it that way, you end up with all kinds of disasters. And I'm going to give you a hyperbole, an example of how that might go bad. So, uh, don't do this, <laughs> what I'm about to show you. So let's say that, they, that you're reading your Bible one day and you're having your quiet time and you read this text about Judas in Matthew 27. And throwing down the pieces of, of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. And then you're like, oh my, am I supposed to hang myself? And, and you just... You just randomly flip a few pages in your Bible and you look down and it says, and Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And then you're like, oh no, I need to go hang myself like Judas. Jesus says it. And then uh, this can't be real. And then you, you flip a few more pages over and then you read what you are going to do, do quickly. <laughs> Again, don't do this, right? So if you're reading those things, you note that the last two are commands in Scripture, but they're given uh, to a certain person at a certain time in a certain context, right? And so the, the point of these is not that the Bible is telling you to go hang yourself like Judas, uh, but if you just randomly pick verses out of the Bible and try to quote-unquote apply them to yourself— right? You're going to have this terrible, terrible outcome. The Bible does not want you to go and hang yourself like Judas. It is written in there, but it is written as a description of something that happened. And I'm afraid that a lot of bad theology in our churches grow up out of this uh, misguided desire to be faithful to the Bible. And so we read something that happened in the Bible and we automatically assume that this idea of applying that to ourselves means that we have to do what was written in the Bible. But there is plenty that is written in the Bible that was not intended to command us to do it. Um, and there are even, as I just pointed out, commands that were given in the Bible that were commands to other people, and they're not to us. 
And so if you want to be wise when you're reading scripture, you have to read what is written and you have to understand it in the context. For what reason was this written? What was it trying to accomplish? And does that same reason exist today in my life if I were to uh, respond in an appropriate way to this? Um, am I meeting what scripture is there? Or has have I or somebody else claiming to represent the, the Bible to me, have I treated these as like magic words that, that can be cut out of their context and applied uh, to give the force of God to any idea? And unfortunately, many cults have, uh, maybe all cults, many cults have grown up out of this seedbed of people saying like, hey, it's God's word. You have to believe it and you have to do it. What they're doing is they're taking words that were written in a text and they're using them in ways in which they were never intended and never intended to be used. So that's the first thing that I wanted to talk about today is this, this difference between prescription, that is, we're being told we ought to do something, and description, which is saying something happened. And sometimes the line between those two is kind of fine. So you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you sort it out as you do, as you read Scripture. Uh, but don't just assume that just because somebody did something in the Bible that you should do it even if that person is, generally speaking, a very godly person. Um, so after the church is planted, uh, Paul, actually, at one point, he has to stand up and he has to rebuke Peter uh, for doing something wrong. Um, and, and, you, and you would say, like, well, okay, Paul did it. That means I can rebuke everybody in every case. Uh, you need a little, perhaps, a little more sensitivity with that, right? Rebuke of a Christian leader who's gone astray is good in the right context, done in the right way. And there are other places in Scripture that would help us sort of work those things out, okay? So, uh, prescription versus description. Remember this, just because the Bible says that David looked off the roof of his house and saw his neighbor bathing and went and slept with her doesn't mean you should do that. Because, of course, if you keep reading, you'll find out that uh, that baby died and, uh, and, and that woman's husband ended up murdered and, and it was a really, really terrible, terrible outcome uh, from all of that. So, uh, just because it's written in the Bible doesn't mean you should do it. Uh, some sensitivity perhaps needs to be taken um, in reading things like the Psalms and the Proverbs, which often take this broader view of the world, not intending us to do or say certain things, uh, but showing us glimpses of things that that happen. Okay? So, uh, there was one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about uh, today, and, and, and it's, frankly, it's because this morning I was reading uh, this with my kids, and, and I saw it, and I, and I explained it to them, and I realized that there are, um, there are many ways in which I've probably done this in the past, uh, and in which I've heard other people do that. Um, actually, when we talked about this, uh, my one son says, Dad, did, did the pastor do that on Sunday? And, and I said, well, actually, yeah, I can think of a way in which he did this on Sunday. Um, but that, you know, that wasn't the point here. <laughs> but it happens. Um, it happens all over the place, all the time, and probably far more than we would like to admit. And that, and that what happens, what we need to be careful of, is bad theology, I'm going to call it bad theology by inference. 
Okay, so to infer something is to say something and uh, and mean sort of something else. Uh, and so we we hear one thing or we say one thing. We have this what's what's specifically communicated, and then there's an idea that sort of is intended to be picked up. Uh, we talk about reading between the lines, if you will, and one of the interesting things about the Old Testament is that it's filled with prophecy that looks to the New Testament but doesn't state it super duper clearly and obviously. And then when you get to the New Testament, you find how these prophecies have been fulfilled. Uh, and then you you look back and you go, oh, okay, I, I can see what God was doing when he said this. He was inferring something like this was going to happen. And, and so if you look at that in the right way, you can totally see how it prefigures or how it points to this, right? The sacrificial system and Jesus dying for people's sins, um, the the we in our in our study through John we've seen of course how Moses is this prefiguring of Jesus Christ and so it happens quite frequently in the Bible that you find something in the Old Testament sort of in seed form that's more clear and explicit in the New Testament and what this does is it trains us I think sometimes to look between the lines and to look for things and the the danger with that is that you would look between lines and you would find something that's not actually there right and so you would take this statement that seems kind of vague to you uh, and I know I'm being vague here uh, and then you would say well that means x y or z and then you would preach the x y or z that you have inferred as if it is a certain doctrine uh, but this is not the case um, and so on. there's an example of when this happened in the Bible, actually. So uh, it, it's recorded in John 21. Uh, Jesus said to Peter, I suppose I better give you some background here. So uh, Jesus has been talking to Peter, and Jesus has just told Peter that when he gets old, he's going to be stretched out and taken somewhere where he doesn't want to go. And the author of John's Gospel tells us that this was to show Peter what kind of death he was going to die. So, um, as history has it, Peter was crucified, uh, and that's how he died. And so then Peter, after asking Jesus, after hearing this uh, prophecy about his own death, he looks at Jesus and he asks about John. Uh, he's like, well, what about that guy? John, the, what about the, the Apostle John? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you. <laughs> so, uh, so here you have it, right? Jesus says to Peter, essentially, he says, mind your own beeswax and you just obey me. Uh, but when the way he says it, if it's my will that he should remain until I return, what does that matter to you? Caused Peter and other people who heard this story to think, oh, Jesus was implying, he, he was implying that, uh, that John isn't going to die before he returns. And so, 
Hmm. And and we're told, right? We're told that the saying spread abroad. I think the CSB says the rumor spread. Literally in the Greek, I think it's just the word spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. But Jesus didn't actually say that, right? And so the point being is that when something is said, you can't just take it to mean anything that could logically be implied to that. Now, is it a logical implication that if Jesus says something, uh, if, for instance, if Jesus had come back before John died, everybody would have been like, see, we figured it out, you know? We're good at watching movies and hearing things that people say early on in the movie and guessing what's going to happen. But the problem is, is that this report started spreading among all the brothers, right? So in the church, this like became this established assumption uh, among many people. And what's the danger in that? Well, hypothetically, in their case, you could have had a bunch of believers who who's really set their hope on like Jesus is going to come back before John dies. And the older John gets, like the more anxious everybody gets, like, oh, it's going to be soon, it's going to be soon. But can you imagine the disillusionment, right? If you had taken this as, as gospel truth, hey, Jesus said it. Jesus said it to Peter, right? If you had taken that as gospel truth, then when John died and Jesus hadn't yet come back, that could be like an earth-shattering moment of you being like, was it untrue? Was it a lie? What is going on? Right? And so the gospel writer has to even dispel this when he recounts it. He is teaching the church, like, let go of that rumor. Jesus didn't actually say that. He only said to Peter, look, it's none of your beeswax. It's none of your business, right? And so the danger for us, right, is that we would take something that is vague and we would imply, we would think that it, it was meant to imply something. And so we would infer a doctrine out of these statements that are not clear. And then we would make a big deal about them. And I would say that there's a lot of doctrines in the church. In fact, many of them that you would hold very dearly and that you would even say, well, these are clearly biblical beliefs, which if you look at them, they're based somewhat upon inference. Okay, we'll eventually get to some of these in John, because I think a lot of these uh, these inferences come out of the way that we read the book of John. Uh, and, 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 and so we'll get to there as we continue studying the book of John. But I want to take one in particular. Okay, so in Mark 13, 32, and I picked this one on purpose because it ties to the last one we read, right? Jesus is talking about the return about the day of the Lord. And he says to his disciples very clearly, concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And so Jesus has directly told his disciples, I don't know the day of my return. He gave them a very direct statement of fact. I don't know that day, okay? And then he made another statement that they assumed had to do with his return. If John's going to be alive by the, you know, by the time I return, what, what is that to you, right? And they 
They overlooked the direct statement, which is, I don't know the day, and they drew a conclusion that actually contradicts that. And why do I say that? Well, if Jesus doesn't know the day when he's going to return, how can he know that John is still going to be alive when he gets back, right? In order to make that statement and mean what, what the disciples meant it to mean, he would have to know two things. Number one, he'd have to know how long John was going to live. And number two, he would have to know when he was going to come back. But he already told them directly, specifically, that he did not know the day of his return. So if you're, if you're, if you're watching very carefully, it's impossible that Jesus could have meant... Um, he could, it's impossible that he could have meant that John would live until his return if he was speaking truthfully about not knowing the day of his return. And I'm going to do a little bit of an inference here, <laughs> and you can take this with a grain of salt because I've just told you uh, not to make this inference, um, but I am going to, uh, I'm going to make this inference. Okay, so Jesus, you're going to have to follow with me for a few things. Jesus has told them that he does not know the hour of his return. He doesn't know the day and he doesn't know the hour. So the day, uh, he does not know. Only the Father knows. Okay, you with me so far? He does not know the day of his return. He, he Only the Father knows. So, if we ask the question, does Jesus know the future, then how do we have to answer that question? According to this text, Jesus doesn't know the day. Now, if Jesus knows all of the future, then he's going to see earth, 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 and then he's going to see new heavens and new earth over here, and then... It's no hard problem to look at the empty day in the middle between older than newer than say, here's the day it all changes, right? Because um, Jesus is no dummy. And uh, if, <laughs> if you say like, well, okay, it's going to be, um, uh, I haven't yet returned on August 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. And on August 7th, I know that we'll all be hanging out together. Then I know that I have to come back on August 6th, right? So uh, can Jesus know all of the days of the future and still not know the day of his return? And you would infer, you kind of logically work this out, um, that he can't know all of the future he can only know, and, he, and here's the deal, like, clearly there are things that Jesus said and did on earth that indicated that he knew what was coming. Uh, you can't deny that. And so the answer might be for us to look at this and say, well, he can only know what the Father reveals to him. So Jesus knows everything the Father reveals to him, which may indeed be quite a lot, but he does not know anything that the Father doesn't reveal to him. Okay, so I'm just going to leave it there. Um, I'm going to make an inference. I don't know if that's a good inference or not. I'll let you deal with that. Uh, but the point being this, right? Jesus' disciples made a bad assumption about something he said to Peter. They assumed he was saying something, but he didn't. And the Bible is very clear. Jesus never intended 
to communicate to them that he would re return before John died. But Jesus did very directly tell them that he did not know the day of his return, that only the Father did, right? So when Jesus was on earth, he did not know the day of his return. That's what he said, okay? So you put these two things together and you say, if they had listened to what Jesus said clearly and directly, then they would have not fallen into the trap of believing this silly inferential idea that they came to that maybe Jesus was promising John wouldn't die. And that's where I want to sort of leave it today with this idea that there are things in the Bible that are stated very directly and very clearly. Um, things that uh, some of sometimes they're spoken in like metaphor or analogy and parable. Those are a little bit less fuss, you know, a little more fuzzy. But there are times when when Jesus speaks very directly and when Paul speaks very directly and when Peter speaks very directly. And they establish things that we would say, because these are written in the Bible, we affirm they are true. And because they're direct and they're clear, that's where we need to start. And whenever we get into doctrine that says, in order to come up with this doctrine, you sort of have to take these two or 12 or 15 different verses and combine them together and then read between the lines and then voila, you'll come up with our doctrine. Uh, those are the places where I think we need to be very, very careful. And actually, uh, the places where I think our biggest doctrinal uh, train wrecks come from. It's not that we took the very clear things and then just totally distorted them, but because we spent so much time reading between the lines where we weren't supposed to read between the lines. Okay, so um, it's uh, hopefully you've been challenged, you've been stimulated in your thinking to remember when you're reading the Bible, when you're studying, when you're listening to preaching, remember there is a difference between description, that is this idea that something happened, and prescription, that is this idea that you must do something. And hopefully you're now also recognizing that there is a very big difference when we uh, come to doctrinal conclusions. There's a very big difference between having Jesus just like say it uh, versus Jesus said something that's related and we read in between the lines or Peter or Paul or, or John or whoever, right? And so be careful. Be very, very careful. And it's not to say that you can never make inferences, um, but it is to say that you should tread very, very carefully there. And when you do, there should come with this, this big dose of humility of, well, if the brothers were wrong about John and the timing of his death, then I could be wrong about this as well. All right. God bless you, and we'll see you back here again soon. Mm -hmm.